What's going on, Dolphins fans, and welcome to the Monday, February 28th, 2022 edition of Locked on Dolphins. This is your host, Kyle Krabs, and the NFL Combine Week has arrived, which means we are digging into, first and foremost, some of the most prominent storylines in my eyes for your Miami Dolphins. Let's tap in. You are Locked on Dolphins. Your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, guys? Kyle Krabs, Locked On Dolphins here. Lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, director of scouting at thedraftnetwork.com. And want to thank you guys for making, usually making Locked On Dolphins your first Miami Dolphins listen of the day. Here's the deal. I'm in Indianapolis for the 2022 NFL Combine. I'm stoked. I had originally recorded on Sunday night today's episode of the show, but the file was corrupted, and then obviously I was traveling to Indianapolis. I'm not an Indianapolis native. So that required a uh, an audible from me, which is why you're getting a lunchtime release of Locked on Dolphins today. But I digress. It's NFL Combine week. And as a draftnik at heart, and let's be honest, the Dolphins made me a draftnik, right? Because growing up loving this football team and being born in 1989, by the time I was cognitively aware of the Dolphins on an annual basis and not just, oh, the Dolphins, they're on TV. They got that badass playing quarterback. It's a cool name. I like the colors. I'm going to root for that team. No, no. Uh, By the time I was cognitively aware, we were in the perpetual cycle that the Dolphins are trying to break through now, which is trying to get back to being a regular contender. And we're going to get our first chance in the NFL Combine setting to speak with Coach Mike McDaniel later this week, which I'm very much looking forward to and hope to get a chance to ask Coach McDaniel a question or two of my own during his podium availability as things are currently set. Uh, Chris Greer is not scheduled to speak to the media in any capacity. But then again, that was something I believe he had something, I don't want to say impromptu, but it was not a formal podium session the last time we were in Indianapolis, which was uh, back in uh, 2020. I believe there was an email that went out, hey, you know, South Florida media, Chris Greer is going to meet at this space at this time, blah, 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 blah. So I'm not reading too much in the fact that Chris Greer doesn't have a podium session scheduled. Uh, What I am very much looking forward to reading into is in the weeks that follow the NFL Combine, people assume that the stuff on television is what this week is all about. And I'm here to tell you that it's not, right? Because the the NFL Combine in Indianapolis, you have all 32 decision makers in one place at the same time. This is where a lot of business gets done. And a lot of the quote-unquote legal tampering that you see quickly materialize when the league calendar opens, guess what? That so often comes because of foundation and groundwork that has been laid here in Indianapolis because you have team reps getting a chance to talk to representation for players it's not tampering, it is tampering, it's kind of wink-wink, nudge-nudge, whatever. There are conversations that are taking place, and they're prominent conversations. 
the Dolphins being here is going to result in them getting their first firm direction. And we won't know, but they will know, kind of the general direction and and opportunity that they have with the early phases of this offseason. And I cannot wait to see what those end up looking like for Miami. Of course, there's also the medical components. There's the interviews. And I think that's one thing for the Dolphins. Uh, The interviews, all the stuff we won't see is the most important things to the Dolphins and trying to figure out who the right players are to add to this puzzle to help this team try to break through the glass ceiling it has perennially been pressed against. But that doesn't mean I don't have thoughts and opinions on a lot of the things that are going to take place on the field, first and foremost. I think you could go through any number of different position groups, running backs, wide receivers, offensive linemen, pass rushers, linebackers. There are a lot of storylines to dive into here. The running back position. I am fascinated to know what Brees Hall, the running back from Iowa State Test, says. This was a player who had showcased a lot of athletic testing or a lot of production at Iowa State. But his presence in an offensive system that created a lot of easy yards for him to manufacture was a cause for concern entering into the season. Well, lo and behold, you see some of the clips from him this year, and Brees Hall looks to have been able to create a little bit more yardage for himself. That interests me. The icing on the cake is if he comes in and he's over 210 pounds and he's had success in the zone rushing offense, which he has, and he tests dynamic and with some good change of direction skills. The worst thing that can happen for Brees Hall is he comes in and he tests like a straight line athlete. Because if that's the case, then you get concerned about, okay, how well does that project into uh, an offensive attack that we're presuming is going to, to be very heavy in rushing the football and your entire job is to string out the point of attack and then find a gap and explode through it and get vertical quickly. This is a clue. This is going to provide us a clue. And that's really what the NFL Combine testing is all about. It's the context clues, and it's the confirmation bias of the things you thought you saw on film. And I can't stress that part of this enough because, you know, the work that we do over at thedraftnetwork.com, we've been doing cross-checks now for two weeks. We've got about 50 players done with the, the top 50 players in the class. Our entire staff has watched and graded and given out an average grade. Uh, but the two months before that, we were doing deep dives into our respective regions. So with the top players in mind, we're coming into the NFL Combine having an expectation on what their athletic profile is going to look like. And for 85, 90% of those guys, what you're going to get is exactly what you thought you were going to get. It's the other 10 to 15% that really make for fascinating draft storylines because then you have to go back to the film and you have to try to negotiate okay where is the discrepancy between what I saw on this player was it a me issue was it a player issue was it a system issue did he play hurt or did he get some spectacular level of training that allowed him to unlock some extra levels to his athletic profile and for Brees Hall I, I 
can see a pathway in which he forges his way into the conversation with the Isaiah Spillers of the world and the Kenneth Walkers of the world to being a potential day two running back target for the Dolphins, especially because so much of his rushing production has come in his own concept. But we're not just talking about running backs here. And there's other running backs, too. Damian Pierce, the running back from Florida, who uh, I had a chance to do an interview with for the Draft Network this past weekend. Oh, what a likable player this dude is. Uh, He is very, very easy to root for, and I will find myself quietly hoping he gets the Elijah Mitchell treatment that uh, the 49ers gave him last year was a a day three selection who, (laughs) given an opportunity, ended up seizing him being the 49ers leading rusher last year. Can't guarantee that's going to happen, but his mentality is exactly what you want to see. So, not just talking running backs, though. Looking at the wide receivers, and, and we've talked a little bit about the conflict that is presented with the wide receivers and the styles and the sizes and the strengths and weaknesses. One thing I can tell you you will have no conflict with is falling in love with Bill Barr. Bill Barr is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. These things are high in protein, high in fiber, low in calories, low in sugar. They have 100% chocolate on all of their bars. And best of all, you can eat it knowing full well you're taking in 130 calories, not a lot of sugar. They're absolutely delicious. You don't have a lot to lose. So right now you can visit Built.com, use promo code LOCK15 and save 15% off your next order. That is Built.com, promo code LOCK15 to save 15% off your next order of the world's most delicious protein bar. So anyway, there's some conflict with these wide receivers. Because you have guys like Traylon Burks and Drake London, big-bodied guys, 6'4", 6'5", guys, right? And then you also have the speedy guys, the Jahan Dotsons and the Chris Olaves of the world, and then you have the Garrett Wilsons of the world who fall somewhere in between. And um, the ultimate challenge with this wide receiver group is not just finding the right blend of skills, but also understanding the dynamics of this year's class. And what I mean by that is this is a deep wide receiver group at the top And I am here to tell you that we might not see a single wide receiver go in the top 12 or top 15. And if that is indeed the case, then you could realistically see the Dolphins with a very high caliber player in this this position group and bucket that would make a lot of sense for Miami. And if they were to be making a pick right now, depending on what happens with Emmanuel Logba, I think, I think keyword is think wide receiver is probably my favorite position for this team to target so the Garrett Wilson's of the world probably make the most sense if he is there on the clock and that's not an easy guarantee to make Garrett Wilson being on the clock he is perceived by many to be a top three wide receiver in the class Uh, And there is a run on wide receiver hungry teams starting with Cleveland at, I believe, 13. That's going to make it challenging for him to fall through that gauntlet. But do they go with a height, weight, speed guy like Traylon Burks? Do they go with uh, a big time run after catch guy in Drake London? Do they go with a vertical guy like Chris Olave? I don't know. 
But I look at the Dolphins, and you have to make that decision of, do you want the receiver who is going to be tailor-made to your quarterback's strengths as a passer, a la Jalen Waddle, and get another speedy separator? Or do you want the big physical player, or do you want a player with any level of physicality, that you have some, some confidence in their ability to set the tone, play physical, and contribute in the run game to hopefully create some explosive plays for your offense? There is no easy answer here other than value, because at the end of the day, you can let the board fall to you and then ultimately make a decision based on who you feel is the best available player at that point in time. Who that ultimately becomes, it's hard to say. But one thing that I don't think is hard to say is that the Dolphins are in a perfect world, not looking at drafting an offensive tackle at 29. If you draft an offensive tackle at 29, what you end up getting is another uncertain factor. And that's not to say that there's offensive tackles that I, dis- that I don't like. Oh, I don't think Trevor Penning's going to be there, the Northern Iowa kid. You're certainly not going to see Evan Neal and Ike McQuanu there from Alabama and from NC State. You're definitely not going to see Charles Cross there from Mississippi State. So the numbers game, and this is, by the way, I'm going to get sidetracked here. This is a fascinating subplot for the Dolphins as it pertains to the numbers game that this year's draft class represents. Because when you sit down and you do the math, just the top 12 alone, you are perceived to be looking at four pass rushers at a minimum. You're going to be looking at Kayvon Thibodeau, Aiden Hutchinson, Trayvon Walker from Georgia, and I would put one more of David Ajabo from Michigan, George Karloftis, if you want to put DeMarvin Leal in that bucket, I think he's probably an interior guy for a lot of guys, and he's probably going to tumble a little bit more. But take four. Just say you get four in the top 12. Then you're probably going to get four offensive tackles, each one of the four that I mentioned. Neal, Iquanu, Cross, and Penning. And then you got corners. And you got Stingley. You got Sauce Gardner from Cincinnati. You got... Booth from Clemson. You're now at 11 names across three positions. Now, Miami could use two of those three spots. But we didn't get into interior offensive line. We didn't get into wide receivers at all. And I just listed five wide receivers that have a very realistic chance of going in the first round. We didn't mention quarterbacks. And it's not a good quarterback class. But this group inevitably gets propped up every single year. So from the Dolphins' perspective, this weekend in in Indianapolis and guys being able to reaffirm the confirmation bias we are hoping to find with the likes of Evan Neal and Ike McQuanu and Aiden Hutchinson. Although Evan Neal is not testing. That came out this morning. I do know that. But, I mean, he's in the conversation for being the number one overall pick. Getting confirmation bias on a lot of these guys is going to help 
carve expectations for the Dolphins on who they should expect to see on the clock when you are making a decision on do we keep this pick, do we trade this pick, do we invest this pick in a rookie? So who are some of the players who are are going to have a big test in front of them as far as meeting thresholds and meeting expectations? I think George Karloftis is one. This is the pass rusher from Purdue. And uh, have some concerns about his change of direction skills and have some concerns about his length. Whether or not that makes him a fit for this defense, I can't say with certainty. Unless you're looking to put him into the Andrew Van Ginkle role. And in which case, what do you do with Andrew Van Ginkle? That would be the role for Karloftis that I think makes the most sense. But the appeal is... That's a 265, 270-pound player fulfilling that role versus Andrew Van Ginkle being closer to 245. So let's say Emmanuel Ogba walks. Let's say the Dolphins decide, you know what, we're going to invest that money elsewhere. It is what it is. Now you have a spot for Zach Sealer as the base end, and now you can be more physical up front by adding George Karloftis into the mix. That's in discussion if he shows up to the combine and he doesn't have great length. And the Dolphins feel like they can plug him into that role. Whether or not they feel that way, I don't know. We'll find out. Or maybe we won't if it turns out, oh, he's got 33 and a half, he's fine. And again, the reason why length is important for defensive linemen is it's all about separation and being able to discard blocks. If you keep your chest clean, you've given yourself a reasonable chance to do that. I think another fringe first-round player at that same position who is facing a very big opportunity is Logan Hall, the defensive end, or defensive lineman, I think is the responsible thing to call him, from Houston. Played some three-tech, played some five-tech, played some end. Stood up from time to time. He's a little raw around the edges. I have some some questions about his flexibility, about his pad level, about his ability to bend and turn the corner. If he doesn't corner well, well, now you're potentially looking at bulking this kid up to 290, 295, and playing him inside, which, again, is a role that would fill what Emmanuel Agba fills. I personally would just pay Emmanuel Agba, and I can't say that part of, of this discussion enough. But... That's a player in Logan Hall where if he showcases that he's stiff, you might not be looking at an outside rusher. You might be looking at a four-eye and then in obvious passing situations, a three, which is exactly what at times Emmanuel Ogba did for the Dolphins. The linebacker group is another area that that has my interest. Uh, I don't know how much I would bet the Dolphins would go this direction in the first round. But, you know, if you like to bet, like to feel a little risky, like to, to no risk it, no biscuit, right? You got to put your money where your mouth is. Even though football season is over, our friends at Bet Online have you ready with everything that you need. You know, pro and college hoops are full steam ahead. Um, so whether you're looking for the latest lines, odds, where the latest coach that got fired is going to end up landing. Bet Online is your number one resource for all of your betting needs. And listen, oh, I I like to get involved in the action. I like to have a good time, but I'm very selective with my bets. 
And I, I will say, Bet Online is not just a place to throw some money on some lines. They've got great resources as well. So make sure you use Bet Online, your number one resource. Use your laptop, mobile device, desktop, you name it, and get all the latest lines, props, and odds. Bet Online is where the game starts. But linebackers, um, Devin Lloyd. I can't wait to see how he tests. If Devin Lloyd ends up being a plus athlete, it's game over. And he's probably not going to make it to the Dolphins. I mean, let's let's be honest. Picking at 29. Now, the one thing that might save this is if Nicobe Dean ends up testing stupid good as an athlete. And I think there's a reasonable chance that that happens. Nicobe Dean's closing burst is insane. He's probably going to come in at 5'11 and three quarters, probably going to come in at 228, and he's probably going to run like the wind. And if that happens... I don't see a spot in the top 20 for a linebacker, regardless of how good N'Kobe Dean is. So what happens if N'Kobe Dean, like, what happens if a wide receiver, a high-level wide, let's say the Patriots fall in love with Garrett Wilson. They draft Garrett Wilson in the early 20s. And a team like Tennessee ends up drafting N'Kobe Dean. And the Patriots don't pick Devin Lloyd because they have a wide receiver that they think can help their young quarterback more although it would be a very Patriots thing to do to just pluck a player that the Dolphins, I would love for them to have, because they did that like four times last year. Looking at you, Ramondre Stevenson, Joshua Bledsoe. I'm going to move on. Got to put it behind me. Um, that's kind of the pathway for Devin Lloyd. Or, alternatively, if his testing is only adequate. But what I would challenge you to not do is overthink Devin Lloyd. Because even, he he's not going to run under the table at 100 miles an hour. He's not that kind of athlete. He doesn't have to be that kind of athlete. But when you watch him, and he didn't have this in the past, he showcases the ability to win mugged up in the B-gap, walked over top of a guard, and wins with rush counters with his hands. And then alternatively, he's walked up on as the end man on the line of scrimmage. And he's winning against Oregon's left tackle with a a double swipe move. But if the Dolphins want better economics with that pick, they will have some options. I think Damon Clark from LSU is a really interesting player. NFL ready build, absolutely capable of being a thumper and coming downhill and smacking you in the mouth. I think Leo Chennault, who we've mentioned before, both the Wisconsin kids, Chennault and and also Jack Sanborn, who's probably going to be a later pick, uh, but Chennault is going to test really well in straight-line situations. And if they want a replacement for Elena Roberts, who might have a little bit higher ceiling as far as the peripheral areas of that role in the defense, Chennault's going to make a lot of sense. But if Chennault tests through the roof, then the demand is going to rise. So that's the give and take with the NFL Combine is, is players, certain players, their stock's going to rise and certain players, their stock's going to fall. But these are the things that are on my mind going into the NFL Combine. It's not the 85% of guys. It's the 15% who don't meet your expectations as who they are from an athletic profile standpoint. And then, of course, the interviews and the podium sessions and the medicals And then, of course, the uh, dinners at St. Elmo's 
which team executives go have a drink, sit down, eat a steak, and talk a little business. These are the things that make the NFL Combine experience a great one. So keep your eyes peeled. Keep your ears to the ground. Because I'm going to have your back, and I'm going to be here for you every step of the way. I'm Boots on the Ground here in Indianapolis. I, listen, I hope you guys enjoyed I appreciate the, the patience, and I appreciate the wait. Uh, but I definitely wanted to set the table for NFL Combine Week and set the tone as I sit here looking at Lucas Oil Stadium as we speak. Fins up. Make it a good one. Kyle Krabs, thanks as always for tuning in to Locked on Dolphins. Fins up.